Welcome to the Marriage by the Book podcast. Whether you have a great marriage or one that needs improvement, this is the show for you. Since 1994, we've used biblical principles to help hundreds of couples, just like you, find relationship success. As you listen, you'll get practical tips, knowledge, and motivation that will help bring greater intimacy and happiness to your marriage so that you can enjoy the relationship you've dreamed of. And now, this is Marriage by the Book. Hello, and thank you for listening to the Marriage by the Book podcast. I really do appreciate it, and our audience is growing, which is a great thing. I'm excited about that. We just started this back in September of last year. And so it hasn't been that long. So I'm really, I really am glad to see the, the audience growing like it is. And I'd appreciate it if you would, uh, you know, share the podcast with others if it's helped you at all. And I'll tell you something. If you will take the word, the scripture you hear, the word, and put this to work in your marriage, it will make a difference in your marriage for the better. I heard a, a quote today. Um, I was listening to a book on Audible. I like to listen to things on Audible. And, uh, this, this quote went something like, uh, you know, don't, when the sun goes down today, uh, make sure that you've left the world a better place than it was when you woke up this morning. And I really liked that. I thought, you know, that's a great thing for us to aspire to, you know, whatever our impact on the world is during the day. And it might be, you know, we're not like some huge politician, maybe or whatever that can make this tremendous impact, but whatever the world that you touch, which includes your marriage, leave it better when the sun goes down the day than it was when you woke up this morning. You know, last week I started talking about intimacy. And, uh, you know, intimacy is, is more than sex. Intimacy, it includes sex, but it's more than sex. And uh, intimacy really has to do with knowing your spouse intimately. Okay. And we talked about that. You need, you need to know them. You know, marriage, I love the message Bible is a paraphrase. But there are some places where the gentleman who wrote that, who paraphrased the Bible in the message, I believe really nails the heart of what God was trying to say. And one of those is in uh, 1 Corinthians 7, verse 4, and it says, Marriage isn't a place to stand up for your rights. Marriage is a decision to serve the other, whether in bed or out. And I just really agree with that. Marriage you know, for me, my marriage isn't about me. It's about Rebecca. And for Rebecca, marriage isn't about her. It's, it's about me. We are there to serve each other. Jesus said, you know, he would be, he who, he who would be first of all should be the last of all and servant of all. You know, he would be, who would be chief among you should be the servant of all. He said that things like that several times. He said, even the son of man talking about himself didn't come to be served, but to serve. And that's really why we're here on this earth is to help each other, to be a help to others. You know, just, just make it a goal to be the most helpful person you know and actually bring that into your marriage. And the only way I can really be a servant to Rebecca, a minister to her, a help to her is if I know her. I need to know her intimately. I need to know her likes and dislikes. That's why it's so important to know them, to know your spouse intimately. And So that begs the question, well, how do you get to know each other intimately? I mean, there are a million ways to get to know each other, probably. But let's just talk about a few practical things that you can do. You know, one thing you can do is just, you know, take a minute. And I think I may have actually told you to do this last time, but it bears doing again. Take a minute and consider times in the past when you felt the most intimate or the closest to your spouse. 
know, what were the characteristics of those times? Was it just the two of you alone somewhere? Um, you know, um, were you doing something that you both enjoyed together? Were you talking? Were you just walking and holding hands? What, what was it? What were the characteristics of that? Think about that. And that can give you some clues, um, about how to, uh, you know, grow in intimacy now. Now I'll tell you something else. I've worked with people before who they, they felt like they were at one time intimate or close to their spouse and they've lost that. And the thing I like to tell those people, you know, if I've been somewhere once, it's easier for me to get there again. You know, if, if I move to a new town or visit in a new town and, and I go somewhere for the first time, it might be a little difficult to find it the first time. But if I go the second time, I think, oh, yeah, there's that landmark and I turn left here and those kind of things. So it's easier for me to get back there. So if you've been close, if you've been intimate with your spouse once, you maybe feel like you aren't there anymore. You can get back there easier now because you've been there before. Okay. We just need to kind of get over ourselves. You know, Norman Schwarzkopf was a, a great general. He, uh, was w- worked with Colin Powell in, in, you know, the war desert storm. And he had this saying, he said, you know, he said, almost always we know the right thing to do. The hard part is just doing it. <laughs> Sometimes we just need to get over ourselves and do it. Anyway, let's talk about some things we can do that'll help us in intimacy with our spouse. You want one thing that really, this is a big thing for me. Maybe it will be for you as well is understand that people are different. You know, I had this idea that everybody was like me and maybe I'm just naive and stupid and everybody else had this figured out. But folks, I did not. I didn't have this figured out. I remember this was actually before I was married. Okay. But I remember I was in the military and uh, I worked with a lot of civilians and the job I had in the military. So I was probably the only military person in this particular office I was in at the time. And anyway, these civilian ladies were talking about how they'd fed their children um, y'all are going to think this is crazy. They'd fed their children cereal that morning. And, uh, okay, let me just let you in. I grew up on a farm and a small farm in West Virginia. And my mom really, um, literally almost every day of my life had gotten up and she would make eggs and biscuits and like sausage or bacon for us. Okay. Boom. There it was every day. And I just thought that's, I thought that's how everybody was. I didn't know anybody was different. Okay. So when I heard these people talking about giving their kids cereal for breakfast, I thought, man, you are a bad mom. I didn't say that, of course. And now I know better. So don't, don't hold that against me. No hate mail, please. I was naive, but I just thought that everybody was the same and people aren't the same. People are different. You know, you think that everybody likes what, what you like, or I thought that anyway. And not everybody does. And, you know, here's the thing, though, that people are different and different doesn't equal wrong. It just equals different. OK, and insisting on your way can and can can lead you and probably will lead you to being wrong. You know, being, we said this before. Being right is highly overrated. You know, the relationship is more important than who's right and who's wrong. You know, Jesus the Jews had a certain idea of what the Messiah was going to be like, okay? And Jesus showed up, and he wasn't what they thought he was going to be. They were expecting some conquering general that was just going to take over and rise the Jews to the top and kick the Romans out, and they were just going to, like, rule everything. And they didn't understand that he was a conqueror, but in a different way than they thought. And um, 
He was different and because he was, he wasn't wrong, but he was different. And because of the different, he was different from what they expected. They wound up rejecting him. Okay. The majority of them rejected him. And so we just need to realize that different doesn't mean wrong. It just means different, you know, but think about all the ways that people are different, you know. Rebecca and I, we have different personalities. You know, there are some obvious physical differences between men and women, right? Thank God for those. You know, to me, uh, you know, anyway, I won't go there. I was just, I was going to say something about how men just aren't attractive at all, but I'm not going to go there. Anyway, that's my opinion. I think ladies uh, have a different opinion of that, but thank God for the differences between men and women. But Personality types are different. Rebecca and I have different personalities, and opposites tend to attract. So what could be attractive before marriage can be like, why are you this way, you know, after you're married? But different personality types. I know um, Rebecca and I, there's this one personality uh T- type test that that we like. It's really simple. That's why we like it. You can cover it pretty quickly with a couple. Yeah, basically, the, the, it covers four personality types, and typically people aren't any one of these completely. They're a mixture of them. And it's, you know, there, there's sanguine personality, choleric personality, melancholy, and phlegmatic. And sanguines tend to be really friendly and outgoing and life of the party type people. And that's their strength. And then a weakness might be they can be a little forgetful or t- prone to exaggeration or maybe a little, you know, they, they just jump into things quickly and get tired of it quick, that kind of thing. And then cholerics are like uh, typically very decisive and good leaders and can get things done. Uh, but on the negative side of that, they can be a little bit, they come across a little bit, you know, quick tempered and uh, unemotional. And then there's melancholies who tend to be perfectionists. You know, a lot of artists are like melancholies. So they can be really artsy and perfectionists and really do things really, really well and have a lot of attention to detail. But on the other side of that, they can be very moody and very critical of themselves and things like that. Then there are the phlegmatic people who are just kind of laid back and just like letting life flow by and just taking it easy and watching everybody else do the work and uh but they typically are very like likable very grounded kind of people and everybody gets along with them and kind of be the glue that can hold a group together kind of thing anyway they help the rest of us slow down you know i'm not phlegmatic but people are these different personalities and like for example rebecca tends to be kind of a combination of melancholy and sanguine I tend to be choleric. And, uh, anyway, so thank God for the differences. We, we complement each other. We strengthen each other. Uh, but those differences can be, like I said, if you don't, re- if you're expecting people to be like you, the differences can be an irritation. So we need to uh, realize people are different. But different doesn't equal wrong. It just equals different. You know, another thing is that, that men are, men and women are different. I mentioned that earlier. We have obvious physical differences, but God created men and women to be different. It wasn't a mistake, right? You know, just tendencies. Okay. These are generaliza- generalizations. So don't, don't think I'm trying to label people or whatever. I've seen people who aren't like this, but just generally speaking, women tend to be more, emotionally wired and connected and in tune emotionally and more relationship oriented. And men tend to be more physical or task oriented. Yeah. Interesting illustration of this. Again, this is a generalization, but you can watch this like when you're in church or something, watching people talking in the lobby or whatever, watch them. Men will tend to kind of stand shoulder to shoulder and look over at each other and talk. They kind of stand beside of each other and they talk. Women will face you head on and talk to you. 
you know, women will they'll face each other. It's because women are more relationship oriented and men are more task or goal oriented. So they'll stand beside each other like they're ready to put their hands to work on something while they're fellowshipping with another guy. And they might lean in a little bit, but those are tendencies that you see people have. Um, uh, women, you know, typically, again, generalization, they like to discuss or share things. Men like to fix things and make it right. Women tend to be more nurturing. Men are more protectors. You know, that's just a few things. You know, men and women are different in a lot of ways. And again, those are generalizations. Okay. But that doesn't mean that one is better than the other. Okay. Galatians, Galatians, Galatians 3.28 says there's neither male nor female for you are all one in Christ Jesus. That's what it says in part, okay? There's neither male nor female. You're all one in Christ Jesus. So what I draw from that is one's not better than the other. We're one in Christ. So man is not better than woman. Woman's not better than man, etc. You know, we need each other. And, uh, but it's important to realize that even men, personalities are different. You know, men have different personalities from each other. Women have different personalities from each other. And certainly men have different personality types from women. Your spouse is probably different from you. Almost certainly they are. Um, so, Again, we're talking about, you know, ways to grow in intimacy. I think a couple things are to realize that people are different and that that's okay. It's okay for people to be different. Okay. So, uh, another thing that we can do to, um, to help us, uh, grow in intimacy is to be other centered toward each other. And by other centered, I'm talking about the opposite of self centered. Self centered is where we prefer ourselves, our needs and wants and desires. We put ourselves first. Other centered is where we prefer the other person. Okay. And put their needs and wants and desires above our own. And really other centeredness is kind of like God's love in action. You know, love gives for God so loved the world that he gave, right? John 3 16 tells us that love gives. And we talked early on there, you know, in this series we're doing, these are like the counseling sessions we would take a couple through we talked early on there about how self-centeredness is the problem okay that that is the problem in relationships whether it's between nations or you know marriages whatever it is neighbors whatever's going on that self-centeredness is the problem in relationships and um so we need to not be self-centered. We need to purpose to be other-centered. It seems like self-centeredness comes naturally. If we're just left to ourselves and just kind of do what feels right, we'll just wind up being self-centered. And it's like we need to, on purpose, be other-centered. And in being purposeful about being other-centered, we begin to rewire ourselves, you know, to where it becomes more natural for us to be other-centered and to love people. You know, that's, you know, the Bible says to do things, it says like put on Christ, to walk as he walked, to be imitators of God as dear children. Uh, why does the Bible tell you to put on Christ and walk as he walked and, and be imitators of God? Because in doing those things, you're changed. And doing those things, you're changed into that image. That's a whole nother message right there. But that's why the Bible would tell us those things. So as you purpose to put on love, as you purpose to be other centered, you will become that. You'll become more loving. You'll be, you will become more other centered. It will become where it's not so much just something you have to put on and purpose to do. It just becomes part of who you are.
So we need to be other centered toward each other. You know, actually desire to meet your spouse's needs above your own or minister to them. I mentioned, you know, first Corinthians seven in the message. Marriage isn't a place to stand up for your rights. Marriage is a decision to serve the other, whether in bed or out. Mm, we'll talk about that probably next uh, week on the next podcast. Um, in regard to the sexual relationship. You know, and here's another thing, too. We need to be other-centered, minister to your spouse. The opposite of ministry is manipulation. You know, ministry is when I meet their needs. Manipulation is when I try to control that person to get them to meet my needs, okay? We don't want to be, you know, manipulation is never going to lead to intimacy. Manipulation really amounts to using someone. Some people are master manipulators, and it might take you a while. Maybe you've been there before. You, you suddenly realize that, man, I've been used by this person. You know, <laughs> you've been manipulated. It's what's going on. And some people are so good at it, you may not realize it for a while. But man, once you do, it is just not fun. It's just kind of, it's very off-putting. You just kind of don't want anything to do with that person anymore. So I just encourage you, you don't want to be a manipulator trying to control and tweak that person to meet your needs. You just want to focus on you meet their needs, be a, be a help to them. Um, so anyway, so I think another thing that we need to do, and I'm going to wrap up this podcast with this one. And next time I'll talk about communication might get into sex next time. Um, anyway, we need to spend time together. You know, people talk about spending quality time rather than quantity time. I'm a big, big advocate of both. Okay. We, you know, 10, if I spend 10 minutes with Rebecca and five hours with somebody else, I'm missing the mark somewhere. Okay. Maybe I say, well, that 10 minutes was quality time. Uh, okay. Come on. Really? <laughs> really? You need to focus more on that. And I'm not saying we all need to spend five hours a day with our spouse. I know there are work schedules and we have kids and things like this. But we do need to give some focused attention to our spouse. We need to spend some time together. And I say alone, and sometimes when there are children and things like that, little kids especially, it can be difficult to have that alone time with your spouse. But, you know, between the two of you, figure out how to spend time together. And I'll tell you, sometimes... Uh, and you see this, um, I'll use the example of men. I, I, you know, I think women do this as well. I'm not just trying to be hard on men, but sometimes if you're big, big, like, okay, let me just use this real life example for me and Rebecca. When we for I was, I played football in high school, really liked football, man. I like to watch pro football. I, I like to watch college football. And when Rebecca and I got married, she was just a football w- widow during the fall on the weekends. And when I became, I finally got born again. I was an atheist, alcoholic, and all this. And I finally became a Christian, got born again. And I made a decision to basically put that down for her. You know, I didn't, it just wasn't right that she would be a football widow, that I would spend more time with, you know, whatever teams were on the screen, uh, whatever games were being played, that I would spend time with them and neglect her, that she would be a football widow for the weekends. And I'm not saying everybody's got to do what I did. I'm just talking about me and using the example I did. I laid that down and stopped watching that to focus more attention on her and just loving her. Okay. And, uh, you know, in doing that, I don't regret that at all. <laughs> I really don't. Looking back on it, I don't regret that at all. Um, so we want to spend time. We want to focus on our spouse, okay? 
And I think it's a good thing to date your spouse. And I want to encourage you. Maybe that's a good uh, piece of homework to give you this week. You know, just purpose to go out with your spouse on a date. You know, maybe, I don't know, go see a movie. There's not many good movies out to, now to see, it seems like. Uh, anyway, but maybe go see a movie. Maybe go to dinner together. Doesn't have to be some expensive dinner or whatever. You know, just just. Take some time for the two of you this week. Hey, you know what? I'm going to wrap this podcast up here. God bless you. Thank you for listening. Yeah, you, know, you have to check out our, our website, marriagebythebook.org. Our book, Marriage by the Book, is on Amazon. If you go to Amazon and search for Marriage by the Book, uh, maybe put Porterfield in there. You'll, you'll find Marriage by the Book there on Amazon. And uh, we've got an Audible and paperback and um, uh, Kindle as well. You can get that there, and there's a lot more information about the things I'm talking about there. And we've actually had a lot of good feedback on the book. I know several pastors who, when they have a couple in their church that are getting married, I'm sure there are others as well. These are just ones I know. But when they have a couple in their church that are getting married, basically they'll assign them, read this, okay? And it'll really be a help to them. And uh, anyhow, God bless you. Thank you for listening to the podcast. Remember, uh, actually I said the homework about going on a date. But another thing I said was purpose to have your marriage a little bit better when the sun goes down today than it was when you got up this morning. Imagine if you could make your marriage 1% better today. Just 1%. That's not a lot, right? That's just a little bit. 1%. In a year, your marriage would be 365% better. That's huge. Think of this. Think of this. If you made your marriage just 1% better a week, Okay, just begin to apply the things we're talking about. You can make it 1% better a week. Um, in a year, that's fifth, there's 52 weeks in a year. Your marriage would be 52% better. That's still huge, right? So just take the bull by the horn, so to speak, and do it. I'm just encouraging you to do that. Thanks again for listening. Have a great day. We hope you enjoyed today's Marriage by the Book podcast. Make sure to like, rate, and review, and hit the subscribe button. For additional resources or to go deeper, visit marriagebythebook.org. See you next time.